innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight Welcome once again to the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPLP, Hillsborough, North Carolina. Today we have just one question for you. What if you could spend a week around the most accomplished people in the world at what you do? What if you could be surrounded with the thing you love most and the people who are the best at it for several days in a row? If you do jiu-jitsu, every year in Long Beach, they host the Mundial de Jiu-Jitsu, the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship, and that fits the description. This bustling event is held inside a huge blue pyramid, attracts the best of today and the greatest of all time, and getting a gold medal is what just about every competitor wants. If you've been to the Mundials, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't, we're going to take the next hour to try to show you. Seth, what's your favorite part of coming to the Worlds every year? Oh, that's a tough one. Definitely seeing all the famous people, seeing all the uh, high-level matches. And also kind of being in the stands and meeting new people who are also equally passionate about jiu-jitsu. I don't know, it's like complete immersion of jiu-jitsu, which is one of my favorite things. That's my instructor, Hoist Gracie Black Belt, Seth Champ. And Seth's right. The world is about the competition, but it's also about the gathering. It's about the atmosphere. The atmosphere can be overwhelming. You wait in line for food, and you're waiting in line next to Marcelo Garcia, who might be the best competitor ever. You turn to leave the food line, and you walk by UFC and Mundial champion Fabricio Verdum. You walk down the stairs with Leticia Hibero, who's won the Worlds a dozen times and coached too many world champions to count. And when you sit down, you notice defending world champion Bernardo Faria has joined you. Then you check your Facebook, and one of the friends you're here with has posted, I just peed next to Jake Shields. All the while, there are announcements like this one happening. On mat number two, an adult, male, black belt, featherweight, quarterfinal match. Wearing the white team, representing Antos Jiu-Jitsu, Rafael Mendez. This is why no one seems to perform as well as they're capable of at their first world championship. You walk into full sensory overload with 12 mats going under the hot lights, and the action doesn't stop for days. If you're there to observe, the world is about three things. Cheering for your friends, watching matches with the elite of the elite, and talking to the legends of the art. More on that last bit later. When I'm not competing, I always try to watch all the local competitors. And this year, there's a lot to watch, and a lot of success. I'm proud to train with people like Kim Rice, who won the world's blue belt, and who is back again this year to try to take gold at purple. So, Kim, after your matches, how do you feel like your matches went at the Worlds this year? Um, they went pretty well. I definitely have some stuff that I need to go back and work on and improve for next time. But um, I learned a lot. Um, I, I worked hard, and I got a silver medal, so I won't complain. How impressed are you that Shayla, too, has 10,746 unread emails? <laughs> well, not that impressed because... Wait a minute, you have more than me? We're comparing how many unread emails. I replaced the interview 
time because I don't, I don't like being interviewed, but um, let me show you. I, I can have 30,610 unread emails. So, Shayla, Shayla, too. Yes, it is a competition, Shayla. And <laughs> you're, you're small beans. <laughs> two, two world medalists, 40,000 unread emails between them, ladies and gentlemen. So, Kim, you submitted your first two opponents. Is a submission victory more satisfying for you, or are you always looking for the submission? Um, yes, I am, because I don't like to leave it in the hands of the judges, because you never know if they're going to give you your points. You never know. If you leave it to a ref's decision, you never know how it's going to go. But also, like, if you finish the fight, you know, you take it in your own hands, and there's no judges needed. So, I, yeah, I prefer that. Do you get more nervous you're competing yourself or watching your friends, your teammates, your husband, Jason Mask? Do you get more nervous competing yourself or watching your friends compete? When Jason competes, I get more nervous. But um, usually I get more nervous if I'm competing. But there's definitely an adrenaline dump when I'm watching my teammates. And so, like, if I go last after a, after a, a long day of watching people, you're already a little bit um, emotionally drained. You know, because you definitely have the up and down of watching everybody. Are you satisfied with your performance this year? It's not what I wanted, um, but I won't complain. What are your goals? Do you set competition goals? And if so, what are your competition goals for, say, the coming year? I don't know. I have to go back and think about it. After the Worlds, do you, do, you, do you take any time off? Are you going to be back in the gym immediately? Is this kind of thing that you need to rest and recover from? back in the gym Monday. Do you game plan for your opponents? Do you scout them out at all? Um, I'm a shameless Google stalker, and um, yeah, I won't lie. I definitely do that. And um, I don't say, I won't say that I have specific game plans necessarily because it's kind of hard to see what exactly somebody's going to do, but I mostly Google stalk and see like, oh, this person has won this, 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 and then I freak myself out, but you know, everyone's good on paper. Everyone's won matches. It doesn't mean that they're unbeatable, but you have to respect everybody and know that everyone here is really good. What do you think the single biggest thing you did in training that helped to prepare for this tournament was? We did a lot of really intense competition training, a lot of short time drills, a lot of, um, you know, you're down, you need the sweep, that kind of thing. And when I lost, it wasn't because I wasn't prepared of the intensity of you know, the last minute. Um, I was down. I needed to get up, and, and I couldn't, but that wasn't why I lost. You know, I lost earlier on because I made a couple of mistakes, and so I need to go back and drill those errors and correct it. If, if there's one thing you would want the listeners to know about you that I haven't asked about, what would that be? The Violator is my nickname. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim Rice. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. The other voice you heard there is Shayla too, a killer blue belt who fought her way through a 47-person division to finish with a bronze medal in third place. She might have fewer unread emails than Kim, but she also had one of the greatest submission finishes of any match at the Worlds, bar none. So Shayla, congratulations on your medal. How do you feel about your performance? I'm, I'm happy with my performance. I've had a really great tournament. I had a ton of fun and... You know, I wanted to win gold like every other competitor, but I gave it my best and I trained my hardest leading up to it. So I'm, I'm really happy about it. What, what do you think was your toughest match? Um, the, probably my third match against the judoka. She was really strong. 
um, really tough on the feet and really threatened a lot of leg trips and throws and really had me um, on guard. That was my hardest match. So a lot of us have seen the flying armbar you hit to end that match, and you were down two points with a minute and a half to go or so. And was that was that something that you had decided to go for, or did you just see it in the moment? Well, I had seen the opportunity with a couple of my other opponents in previous matches, but it wasn't worth it to me because if I don't land it, I'm kind of in trouble on bottom. It's not my strongest point. But at this point, I'm down two. She's really strong on the feet. I'm really not sure how or if I will take her down. I don't want to get taken down, so it's time to try new stuff and go for it. So it looked to me like she tapped three times, and but then she sort of threw up her hands after the ref stopped the match. What, what was the deal there? Did she say anything to you or to the ref? Yes, immediately she said, J'ai pas tapé. <laughs> I didn't tap in French. So, um, but, you know, I listened to the ref. The ref says stop. I let go. And me and Seth, my coach, studied the video in detail. And her reason for touching my leg three times, you know, that's, that's not up to me. Um, I have a tendency to feel guilty or feel bad for her. Or maybe she didn't mean to or... She was putting her hand in a place um, unintentionally, but, you know, I did my job, so. <laughs> oui, el tapé. You know, I mean, that, was a, that wasn't even a one tap. That was a three motions, and you could say she was trying to grab pants or whatever, but it really looked like three pretty obvious taps to a, to a leaping flying armbar. Is that the first time you've hit one of those in competition or not? Uh, I think it's the first time I've finished it. I've attempted one at a U.S. grappling tournament, I think against Bev, but she she squirreled out and I didn't get to finish, so this is the first time I hit it um, with a finish, yep. So not a lot of people know this, and I know you would never use this as an excuse, but a couple days before the event, <laughs> you got very sick, and we were all a little worried about you. Um, so tell us what happened and whether you think that was a factor. Um got to Long Beach. I'm right at weight, so really monitoring what I'm eating very carefully so I don't go over. And we think, okay, we'll have a day to rest on Wednesday. Oysters, no big deal. Low calorie, delicacy, kind of a treat, but won't throw off my weight. Go, let's go for it. Uh, I guess <laughs> June still is a month that doesn't have an R. <laughs> and uh, a few hours later, I was, you know, in a curled up ball on the bathroom floor, puking everything. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It's my second time actually getting food poisoning from oysters in California. Maybe by the second time I've learned my lesson and I won't do that again. Um, I love oysters, so it sucks that um, we can't have this mutually beneficial, not mutually beneficial, but this, I can't enjoy them anymore. So, As weight cutting methods go, that's probably the most harsh one. Did you feel like that cost you energy during the tournament, or did you feel like it wasn't a factor? I don't think it was a factor. Wednesday was pretty awful. I had Thursday, by the time I stopped puking, to drink Pedialyte and eat saltines. and um, Yeah, I was good to go, ready to fight, and really excited about my matches. And Food poisoning can't keep me down. <laughs> Do you have anything that I haven't asked about, about the matches that you think it's important that people know? Not about my matches, but about training for competition in general and finding your happy place, your, uh, the 
training leading up to competition that works best for you and your lifestyle and your happiness. And I think I finally reached that point this time. And so coming into the competition was just really, really fun and not nervous. And I just, that's my favorite part about the tournament is just getting to that mindset. However, that is for me, I hope that my training partners, listeners can find that happy training preparation place for them because it's different for everybody. You can see Shayla's flying armbar on our Facebook page. It's pretty popular for good reason. Most of the competitors I had met and trained with before the Worlds, but another aspect of the event is meeting other people who love jiu-jitsu that you didn't know before. Ryan Galvin from Alliance in Wilmington, North Carolina, took a bronze medal in a tough purple belt roosterweight division, which also featured local favorite DeAndre Corbet. I talked to Ryan after he won his medal. So we're here with Ryan Galvin, Purple Belt from Alliance in Wilmington, North Carolina, who just medaled at the Worlds. Congratulations, Ryan. Thank you. How many matches did you have in your division? I had four matches. What would you say, like, what was it, a, obviously the goal every time is to win, but are you overall pleased with your performance? You come away with a bronze medal? Um, yes, I, I trained really hard for this competition, and um, my intentions when I came to the tournament was, I'm going to come out here, and I'm just going to try I really wasn't expecting the medal at all or even try to be a champion. I was just going to come out here and give it my best. And my mentality is I don't have to be the best in anything. I just want to be known to be good. Like when you fight me, win or lose, you know that you're going to have a, good, a match. And you're going to have to put up a fight. And I just took one match at a time, and that's how I just felt myself progress. And I felt more energy. And as I kept winning, I just felt more of a progression. And I was shocked. I was really shocked as I got to the semifinals match. And... Uh, the guy who beat me, he ended up winning uh, the world title, and hats off to him. He was amazing. He was a, those are the matches I'm looking for that I want. Yeah, I saw some of his matches, and he was outstanding. He also went up against DeAndre Corvey, another pretty local guy. So he was, so that was just a fantastic performance by you. So you train regularly out of the Alliance Training Center in Wilmington. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And who's your main instructor? Uh, my main instructor's name is Jonathan Uskadegi, and he's a black belt under Lucas Lepre. Um, he's been under Alliance for about nine years now. He started off under uh, Cobrinha, and then he was uh, under Lucas once Lucas had opened up in Charlotte. And uh, it's been amazing. Um, I've been training with Jonathan since 2012. I took some time off and moved to California when I got out of the Marine Corps. And I've always wanted to do jiu-jitsu um, pretty much full-time, so I moved back out to North Carolina, linked back up with Jonathan, and... It's been, uh, it's been quite a journey. I've been training with them now for about 18 months. How would you describe your style of jiu-jitsu for people who haven't seen some of your matches? Do you think you're more of a guard player, more of a top game guard passer, or do you, do you try and be well-balanced? I'd say well-balanced. Um, me, personally, I like playing the bottom, but um, what I faced in Worlds was I, I, I was on both. I was on bottom, I was on top, and I countered on both ends. I got sweeps and I got guard passes. I just try to keep my, my game balanced to where whatever's thrown at me, whatever's evolving, at least I know to counter, whether it be Baron Bolo's, Worm Guard, whatever guard they're playing, Inverted De La Hiva. What would you say the best thing that you're going to take away from this tournament is? And it can be the success or it can be just a lesson that you learned. What do you think the best thing is that you'll take back to North Carolina from this? Um, train hard, get out here, uh, compete, fight your hardest, leave everything out there on the mat. And you can learn a lot, win or lose, from these tournaments. Um, I meet a lot of new people, just like I met you today. 
And uh, I've met a lot of people in these tournaments, even my opponents. My opponents are all nice. There's no animosity, no nothing like that whatsoever. I, I, I meet so much great people out here. And my biggest takeaway is just fight hard and meet people and uh, spread the jiu-jitsu, spread the art. Not like not about beating people up or anything, but about learning. And that's, that's what I see about it. Is there one thing that you would want people to know about you or about your school that I haven't asked about? Um, yes, uh, we're very low-key. Um, we're in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, not really marketed as much. It's because very uh, a small school. We barely started. Jonathan opened up maybe about three years ago, the big school. But he's been always in North Carolina. Um, anybody, uh, everyone, they're all welcome. Uh, we have two world champions there. Uh, Hope Buscadegui, she's Hope Aiken. She's a two-time world champion. Uh, Brett Costern, he's a world champion as well. And then we have other uh, several IBJJF Open champions who are there in that gym. And uh, it's open to everyone to come by and train with us. And I, I hope here in the future that a lot more affiliations come by. And not just to go to the beach, but to come and get some good training as well. Um, for myself, um, I'd like to train with anyone. Um, I'm always open uh, to train with whoever, whenever. I'm always at the gym twice a day. I'm, I'm open to whoever wants to come and train. I also met Tammy Musumichi. Tammy is an elite competitor who nevertheless has a laid-back and carefree perspective about competition. About her own matches, anyway. So, Tammy, how did you go about preparing for the Worlds this year? Um, the same way I always do. I just train as hard as I, as I could. I, I like, the thing about me is I like, the reason, I, do, I love the training and I love everything about it. That's why I train. Like, so it's pretty much just fun to me. So the same way I always do, training. Are you, are you a person that game plans for, for your opponents or for your division? Do you do a lot of scouting or do you just show up and do your jiu-jitsu and see what happens? No, I really don't do that. I pretty much just come and do the best I could with what I have. So your first match is against Sam, Samantha Fallhaber, and I understand that you've trained with Sam a bunch. Is that is that right? Or I've never trained with her, but I'm friends with her. So do you? Uh, is it different when you're approaching fighting a friend as opposed to fighting somebody that you've never met before or someone that you just know about? Is is there anything different mentally for you? No, I mean it's not really. I'm um, fighting. It's more just tr I see the same as training, like and just doing the best I could and te my technique and their technique. I don't really use it as any animosity or anything. Not like that. So, do you set competition goals like I want to get gold medals at this, I want to get gold medals at that, or um, it, or or is it more about a process for you? Like, do you have goals for this tournament? Well, of course, I always have the goal to win it, but my main goal is just. I'm first of all, I'm very thankful to be able to do it. I had a uh, back injury a few weeks ago where I couldn't even walk. Yeah, it was bad, but thankfully my chiropractor put me back together. But like this point it's just pretty much just trying to stay as healthy as possible and enjoy my life and enjoy the experience your brother mikey is also a high level competitor do you get more nervous competing yourself oh. or when you watch your brother compete oh, i only get nervous when my brother competes because i don't I, and the reason why is not that he's gonna win or lose but it's more afraid that he's like gonna get hurt or he's gonna feel bad like i don't really like that's what i'm most afraid of if, if he feels bad or gets hurt it must help a lot to have a sibling so close in age that you can train with. Does it help? Yeah, yeah. I think that's our main reason why we've been actually successful over the years is that we have each other. Because, And even we, we even see it like when one of us gets hurt or something because we realize, or if we have a fight and we don't want to train with each other at the moment, uh, we always wind up like realizing how important we are. What do you think the two or three keys to having a really good Barambolo are? Um, having a good teacher, who's my brother, and uh, practicing it a lot, drilling it a lot. 
and confidence. So you mentioned you're moving to Las Vegas. Is that for training reasons, or why are y'all moving out to Vegas? Oh um, no, actually, uh, the reason why is I was in a three plus three law program in my in Florida, but I I got a I got a good scholarship to the school I'm going to that I was going to. I just finished it and I was going to start law school in the fall. But I decided that I want to work in Las Vegas and I want to go to the UNLV Law School. So I'm going to just finish my last five classes online, like get my degree and then just go to UNLV for law. That's why I'd rather go there. And my family always wanted to live there. So, But I'm going to train. I have lots of people to train with there too. Like I have Drysdale. He's super cool. Robert Drysdale is super cool. I have um, a bunch of friends. I have my friend Renee and... Um, and my friend John, so it's, I have a lot of friends there, but it's not the reason why. Is there anybody that you're particularly hoping you get a match with during this tournament? No, I don't really care with that. I just pretty much whoever is there, I'll, I'll go compete with. Just anyone who's there. I don't really have a preference. I don't call people out or anything. If there's one thing that you would want podcast listeners to know about you that I haven't asked about, uh, what would that be? I just like to have fun, and I really don't, like, I really just try to help whoever I could and stuff. I don't really have any, like, I guess that's my main thing. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I hope this person loses or, oh, this person. I'm not like that. I just want everyone to have a good experience and help them if I could or make them happy. I don't care. Even for serious competitors, after they're eliminated, the week becomes a time to soak up all the Mundials has to offer. Mary Holmes, one of the most well-respected jiu-jitsu athletes in the Carolinas, was promoted to brown belt about two weeks before the event and competed anyway. So, Mary, you just finished your first ever brown belt match, which happens to be your first match as a brown belt at the Worlds. How do you feel like it went? So, I was just over here talking with my boyfriend, Rob, about the match, and I'm really excited that I got to come here and to to compete, and I feel like I got in some bad situations and got out. Like, I held my own for the first, like, seven minutes or so, and then my opponent did just a a really great job of keeping a really good Kimura grip that I thought I could counter, but she used it to sweep me and and then uh, converted it to an armbar, and it was really good. So, um, she actually was much harder to sweep than I thought she was going to be. She was just compact and posted well, and yeah, so she did a lot of things right or sooner than I did, so. She did have a really terrific base, but you were able to sweep her once, and so you could you could off-balance her with your sort of in-and-out in sweep game. Were you nervous before this match, or more or less nervous than you thought you'd be? I was nervous, but I was like happy nervous so um before pan ams i I had the sudden panic attack right before i went on the mat like i'm like oh my god i don't i don't know what to do like the ricky bobby i don't know what to do with my hands thing that i um is a joke that i kind of stole from anna page and jeremy arell great grappling but i really did feel that way and then this time i didn't necessarily feel that panicked but i noticed that my fingers just like didn't feel like they didn't feel loose they like really stiff and this match, like, at the end, when I stood up, I really was just exhausted. My grips were exhausted, and I feel like I'm in relatively good shape for a senior citizen. But I, you know, I was, I was tired when I was done. So, it, but I, so I definitely think the, the, the nerves and the adrenaline and all that really mattered. 
Does it feel good to have the first one out of the way? The first match at Brown Belt and the first match at Brown Belt Worlds? It does. And, you know, I kind of, in my head before this match, went back and forth like, uh, should I have, like, just said I'm not going or should I have asked to be wait, like, for them to wait to promote me or something like that or just competed at a Purple Belt? But... No one, I don't think that anyone would have given me a promotion if they didn't think that I could handle it. And I think overall, I didn't handle it badly. I mean, yes, I lost, but it wasn't like I lost in 20 seconds. And there are people, that's the thing about Worlds, like, these people are legit. Like, the, and people you know are just total badasses lose here and they get submitted here and and it's just the little things like you miss one little thing you win you lose one little battle and that's it and so um i feel like it was a really good experience i i learned so much and you know just we fly back monday night and then tuesday morning i have a day off and i'm just gonna go train and then tuesday night i'm gonna get a pedicure because my talents are getting a little out of hand but, yeah. <laughs> Those sound like an excellent series of plans. And anyone who saw the match, which is available on video on our Facebook page, knows you were in that match with a chance to win until the very last minute. And so to compete that way on the world stage with, you know, obvious very seasoned and accomplished competitor, I think it's something you have to be proud of. Yeah. No, I'm excited. And, and like, again, like, I'm excited that I got to come with um, – with my, my teammates I mean even though we're not the exact same school we're all Team Hoist Gracie and we trained together and we worked hard together and we came and we supported each other and um, you know I I definitely missed some people I wish they were here with me but I'm still here with wonderful people that I'm happy to be with and I mean it's just it's just like the best experience I think that even if you don't come to Worlds to compete you sh and you do Jiu Jitsu you should come just to see how intense it gets like how crazy it gets like even for like last night the blue belt women's finals and like rooster weight or whatever like the whole stadium like the whole section is like cheering and going wild and and it's it's nuts and it's and you're sitting next to like Salo Hibera or he's coaching against you like he did yesterday with Kim you know or like you know or you know Merlo Santana coaching against you or Merlo Santana coming up to Shayla and be like great armbar I mean like that's awesome you know, or like, I mean, a few years ago, it was a world, and that sex going like, go, Mary. I mean, those, the, your heroes are here, and they are like literally next to you, and it's, it's just amazing. Mary's right. All your black belt heroes are here. The goal for them is to make it to Sunday when the 12 mats shrink down to two to focus on the black belt quarterfinals, semis, and finals. Sunday is when the biggest crowds show up and when the worlds start to resemble the sporting event that it is. I'm sitting next to Charlotte-based black belt Caitlin Huggins when her first-round opponent steps onto the mat for the finals. And that opponent, Monique Elias, wins gold. I'm expecting Caitlin to be happy. I would be if the only person who beat me beat everyone else, too. But that's not how Caitlin sees it. So the girl that you lost to in the first round just won the world championship, just won the gold medal. How, what, what's going through your mind right now? How does that make you feel? <laughs> like I got to get back to training. <laughs> Like, um, 
I don't know how to feel right now. I feel like um, my match with her, um, the mistakes I made, um, I made them because I hesitated and doubted myself and that I definitely have a chance with this girl and could have beaten her. So I definitely feel like I have a place at the table and next year I'm going to bring it. <laughs> so like, do you think you would have been happier or sadder had she lost this finals match? Honestly, I, I don't know, and I've been going back and forth on that, but, you know, like, that was a really close match, so Louise is good, Monique is good, and, and I'm going to bring it next year, and I'm really excited. I'm excited to get back to training. <laughs> you might hear a common theme from all the competitors. They're all ready to get back into the gym immediately. For people competing on this level, that's the way it has to be. You have to surround yourself with people on the same journey that you are. Earlier, I asked a hypothetical question. What if you could gather with the best of the best at what you do for several days in a row and just watch? The thing is, this actually happens at the Worlds. The final day is 12 hours of solid jujitsu matches, all of them packed with storylines. Everyone here wants to see if Marcus Buchecha's surgically repaired knee is going to hold up during his first Worlds match since he hurt it. We want to see if Michelle Nicolini can win one more world title in her last Mundials. We want to see who the new faces are that will step on the scene and beat old guard world beaters like Hamalo Bahal and Rubens Cobrinha Charles. All the while, the big jiu-jitsu teams, Alliance, Atos, Gracie Baja, are shouting and chanting support for their favorites. Then, in the middle of all this, comes something else that only happens at the Mundials. You're sitting down to watch a semi-final match with Gracie Baja's Edward Najmi, one of the young lions rising on the competition scene. Advancing to the final, representing Gracie Baja, Najmi. You're all set to check it out. And then, the greatest of all time sits down in the chair right next to you to watch the match, too. It is impossible to overstate the importance of Hickson Gracie in the martial arts community. He's not just a legendary fighter with a famous undefeated record. He's that rarest of people in the jiu-jitsu community, a figure with universal respect. Every community has factions and division, but you won't find anybody who doesn't have the utmost admiration for Hickson. So when he talks, you listen. And when he agrees to an interview for your podcast, you just say thank you and feel grateful that you get to ask the best ever what he thinks of sport jiu-jitsu, about the self-defense aspects of the art, and more. What is your favorite part about coming to the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship? Oh, it's always a great party for the, the, the jiu-jitsu community to put all the, the top athletes together in this kind of family environment. I think that's a very positive for the growth of the sport and, and give a good reference for the, the community. Some people believe that self-defense and sport jiu-jitsu are at odds, that there's some kind of tension between the two. What are your thoughts on self-defense and on sport jiu-jitsu? I think we come in, our, our culture is completely based on self-defense, which is the, the foundations, the tradition which Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is based on, is to give to the weak one 
the possibilities to 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 face or to adapt themselves in an unpredictable situation. So self-defense is where we all prepare to the unpredictable, to real-life situations. And in the sequence of that kind of basic foundation, knowledge, you start to have fun with the, the interaction and the jiu-jitsu against jiu-jitsu game. But the competition is based on the game of the practice of the sport. Self-defense is the knowledge every jiu-jitsu practitioner has to have even before he starts practicing the game because that way he will translate in a much more realistic way to real life. And that way, uh, like myself and all the other graces who brought jiu-jitsu to the world, we all base in that confidence we can handle situations not based on the sport jiu-jitsu knowledge but it's based on the self-defense knowledge. And based on that, we expose self-defense to the world and the growth just brought a lot of competition. So it's time to people start to realize how important it is to be back to the foundations and, and still competing, still playing jiu-jitsu, but leaving the martial arts into the knowledge because this, what we see here is a game, it's not martial arts. And martial arts is much more complex is much more accessible for everyone because competition, again, is just for at the most 5 to 10% of the, 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 the biggest uh, potential for Jiu-Jitsu. And self-defense is something we can teach from the, the, the shy kid to the toughest MMA fighter. So self-defense is our culture, has to be spread and has to be the basic foundation for every Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. What do you think are some of, I know you've taught at Valente Brothers, some of the other academies, some Hoist Gracie Network schools. Who do you, who do you think is keeping the self-defense, like what, who do you think is doing a good job of teaching the self-defense today? I think every, every academy who has the purpose of self-defense school, they're already doing a good job, maybe with less or more details in the effectiveness of each sport, but they at least have the right concept of introducing people to what they most need to learn, which is self-defense. And then gradually bringing them to the sport. So all the guys who put in their walls, self-defense, instruction, they're already doing a good job because they, they, they perceive the, the knowledge of what is really important for the student. Every other school who teaches only tournaments, competition, points, jiu-jitsu, they do a great job for the competition, but they lack of information who will please 90% of their potential students. What is the one piece of advice you think is most important for people who are trying to learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? Well, definitely is to seek for the right information. Because you cannot learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu without the understanding of the, fund, the fundamentals. And that is the first important knowledge you should have to be able not only to, to, to follow the, the, the practice, but also to be able to inform other people who are coming after you. Because without the knowledge of leverage and techniques and self-defense aspect, the sport jiu-jitsu becomes too much a tough sport, but not exactly content the elements of the invisible jiu-jitsu. Even black belts, maybe especially black belts, understand the importance of Hicks and Gracie. When my instructor Seth sees me interviewing Hickson, he has to jump in and ask Hickson a question of his own. I did my uh, 
black belt test with the Valenches um, and Hoist and Dr. Pedro Sr. And we discuss a lot about is there room for both self-defense and sport jiu-jitsu in one, the same academy. I teach at my academy both. And I have competitors who have won world championships. But my main focus is self-defense. And some people say you can't do both. Do your opinion on what, can you do both? I completely disagree. You cannot have both. I think you have to have to strive for both. Uh, but you have to put in concept, in, 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 put in perspective, which is, you know, even though you have the best competition academy, you're going to have at most 5 to 10% competitors in that same environment. And if you have a self-defense oriented school, you can have like much more people involved on the practice. So having a perfect school is the one you can attend the most number of people with the foundations and also creating an environment where the tough guys, they can have the environment to train hard and compete. So you have to have both elements. Like that's what I believe is the perfect school. Every year I attend the Worlds. The last year I attended as a competitor, just like 50% of the field, I lost my first match. But every year, whether I compete or not, I leave exhausted and happy with the feeling of having been surrounded by the best there is at what they do. Really, as an athlete or a spectator, what more can you ask? That's our show this week. Be sure and let us know what you thought. You can email us at cagesidewhoop at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at cagesidewhup, cagesidewhoop. Or you can get at us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cagesideradio. We'll be back in the studio in Hillsboro, North Carolina this Sunday, June 13th. This is the Cageside Concussion Cast. I'm Jeff Shaw, and thank you as always for listening.